Welcome to season two of the Holistic Woman podcast. My name is Kate Payne. I am a women's health yoga therapist, trainer, and mentor with more than two decades of traversing the healthcare landscape. During this time, I have seen the detrimental impact of a one-size-fits-all model of care for women. In these podcast episodes, you'll find a collection of open and expansive conversations with teachers, therapists, and wellness practitioners, all with a shared vision for women's empowerment, whole body health, and healing. Together, we're dismantling outdated health norms and fostering a space where women can reclaim their health, voice, and individuality. Thank you for being here. Today's guest is Jo Stewart from Garden of Yoga. Jo's creative approach adapts to each practitioner's individual needs with a focus on body positivity, self-compassion, and inclusivity. She is excited to share the whole spectrum of yogic experience from supportive and playful movement in the aerial hammock to calm meditation in the quiet of a yin-star practice. She first discovered yoga while studying visual arts at RMIT in 1998, and since then has found that practicing meditation and yoga combined helps her enjoy living and creating to her full potential. Jo has been teaching yoga since 2005 and is the founder of Garden of Yoga, where she teaches aerial yoga, Pilates, and yin yoga classes. She also co-hosts the Flow Artists podcast with Rain, speaking to inspiring movers, thinkers, and teachers about how they find their flow and share it with the world. She is also one of Australia's most experienced aerial yoga teachers, completing the first teacher training here with anti-gravity creator Christopher Harrison in 2011, as well as advanced aerial yoga and aerial yoga therapeutics certification with Renee Stevens in 2022. She is currently writing a book, Eight Limbs of Aerial Yoga, Adapting Practices for Accessibility, Neurodiversity, and Physical Support, to be published by Singing Dragon in 2026. Jo is dedicated to making yoga and meditation accessible to everybody and loves teaching through Get Active in Darabin community programs. She shares her meditations online via Insight Timer and teaches body positive and trauma-informed yoga and Pilates online, live stream, and Zoom classes. Jo also loves mentoring other teachers and has a unique ability to see their strengths and help them expand their range of possibilities. So welcome to the show, Jo. It's wonderful to have you here. Thank you so much for making the time. Oh, thank you so much for the invitation. It's really lovely to be on the other side of the microphone. Yeah, right. <laughs> receiving the questions rather than asking them. Yeah, well, we were just talking before we hit record that you've had your podcast now, the Flow Artists podcast, but you said six years. I think so, yeah. It's so wild. Can you talk before we kind of dive into all of the other things that we want to talk about? Can you share a little bit more about your podcast? Because it's a yoga podcast as well, which is, I mean, this, you know, the Holistic Woman podcast, the the essence is yoga and the teachings of yoga, but of course, the focus really being women's health and well-being. But yours is specifically talking about yoga. Can you share a little bit more about your journey with that? Yeah, and we have branched out as well. So our podcast was initiated by my husband, Ran. He did his yoga teacher training, and that takes up a lot of time and a lot of headspace and generated a lot of yoga conversations in our home to the point where I had to like set some boundaries and say things like, okay, if I'm in bed reading my book, you can't ask me a yoga philosophy question or an anatomy <laughs> question. So when he finished his teacher training, he had a bit of space in his life and we realized how much we enjoyed speaking about yoga in the time and the place. So this was the perfect place for it. So we began talking to lots of local yoga teachers in Melbourne because we both felt like it was an interesting time to document like the Mm. evolution of yoga emerging and growing in Melbourne. And a lot of Mm. the original people were still around, Mm. but getting older. Mm. And then from there, we've more and more branched out to talk to like artists and activists and Mm. really anyone who inspires us, anyone who we're interested in and want to learn more about. And That's the biggest gift for me of recording a podcast. It gives you this avenue to reach out to people Mm. who are doing amazing things in the world and like highlight what they're doing, but also Mm. have this chance to like learn more from them. 
it feels like a one-on-one masterclass mm. where you get to ask all the questions. And normally if I am doing a workshop, I have to hold myself back on not being the obnoxious person that just talks and asks all the questions in the workshop. <laughs> but the podcast is the perfect forum for all of yeah. those questions. So yes. that's something I've really loved about it, that opportunity to learn and mm-hmm. to make friends mm-hmm. with these people who you admire in the world. Mm-hmm. And that has happened. Like I mm-hmm. felt like our community has grown through speaking to people on the podcast because mm-hmm. it's a powerful conversation. Like you're talking to someone about the things that they're the most passionate about mm. in this uninterrupted space. Like it's almost like a meditation because mm. you're so in the moment with that person. And I realized how fragmented a lot of life conversations are with your mm. eating or you're out or even just in everyday life, there's lots of other things happening. Whereas in the podcast space, it's like you've made this time and this space to be really present with that person. Mm, Yeah. And I love listening to podcasts for that exact reason, because you do feel like you carve out this spaciousness to listen and receive. And I, I appreciate podcasts so much because it's, there's no visual component. So I, yes, I mean, I record this podcast on, you know, and pop it up onto YouTube. So there is a visual component for people who really appreciate learning and, and experiencing visually. But for me to have that spaciousness to just listen and receive and maybe close the close down the eyes or maybe it's taking a gentle walk and having the podcast you know coming through my ears it's this time just to receive and have those moments of contemplation and I think nowadays with so much information overload and information coming at us particularly through a lot of visual form it's really nice to have something like podcasts and I love how they've grown and evolved and there are so many different um, people sharing different topics of conversation and we're getting access to information as well and ways of seeing the world that we haven't necessarily had in the past. Absolutely. And I'm, I guess, a visually sensitive person. Mm -hmm. So seeing horrific world events on the news is something that will give me like nightmares Mm -hmm. and I want to know about the world. So Mm -hmm. news podcasts have actually been a way Mm -hmm. that I can learn in a more in-depth format with someone explaining it to me, which is Mm. a better way for me to take in that information versus just a really shocking visual that actually makes me shut down more than it makes me open up, which is what you need when you're learning. Mm, Yeah, I think that's so true. I think receiving information through written form or through voice is a softer, it has a softer impact on the nervous system. Yeah, I think it works better for my brain as well. Mm, It does for me, for sure, for sure. All right, well, let's dive into having you share the season that you're currently in and ways that you are finding celebration as a woman. So I'm in, I'm in the season of menstruation, but Mm -hmm. I'm 43. So (laughs) who knows how long this season will continue before I move to the next one. (laughs) And the question about celebration of womanhood is a really interesting one because up until about a month ago, I really don't know what I would have said, Mm. but I've just had the most week of womanhood celebration of my life. I went to Thailand to Kaolak with my best friend. We've been friends for 25 years. It was meant to be our 40th birthday celebrations. And as you know, I'm 43 now, so it took three years of reschedules and cancelling and life Mm. and work and pandemic and it finally happened and it was the most soul nurturing beautiful week like we got to hang out a lot Kaolak is gorgeous Mm. but also it's quite a small island community and Mm. I think we were just there in a really quiet season so it was a really chill time and it felt like I got to know like local women a lot more than I have done on other trips. One thing that we did in particular, which I'm just going to do every holiday now because it was such a great way to like connect with local people and learn about culture. We did two Thai cooking classes in the one day. And this Love was just because it. it was really last minute when we were trying to book and we're just WhatsApping lots of different people and two people could take us. So we're like, yeah, let's just do both. 
Mm-hmm. And just meeting these like awesome Thai women who are running their own businesses, which is something mm-hmm. that I do. So I'm always interested to seek out local independent businesses in other places. And they both just coincidentally had daughters who are a similar age to my friend's daughter. Mm-hmm. It's at their homes. They both had mm-hmm. these beautiful garden kitchen outdoor setups. And it was wow. just us and the instructor both times. So we really mm-hmm. got to hang out and chat and learn. Mm-hmm. and just be in the home environment mm. versus the tourist environment. And yeah. especially um, Poi, who did, Apple did the first cooking class, and I can put mm-hmm. links if anyone else wants to join because I just want to support these women. Like, they're amazing. Yeah. But Poi especially, we walked into her garden and it was like orchids and mm. streams with fish and like this beautiful cultivated jungle environment. Mm. Mm-hmm. And we cooked six dishes <laughs> for our thing. And I felt like wasteful because like, how are we going to eat all of this amazing food? And I asked her about that and she's like, no, no, don't worry. There's actually a local Burmese refugee camp nearby. And so mm. all the leftover food from the cooking classes. And she also picks up leftover stuff from the local markets mm-hmm. and shares it with the refugees and a couple mm-hmm. of um, women working like at her business were also Burmese refugees. So I felt like it was this beautiful chance to really make a contribution to the local community in the way that sometimes you don't feel like you get to do as a tourist Mm -hmm. to get to know local women and support the awesome things that they were doing with their businesses. Mm. And just coincidentally, like me and my friend Jane, like we both really love to cook and to eat. So we got to do this thing that like we love to do together and learn more and it was a very decadent experience like the food Mm. was amazing their Mm. gardens were amazing they were really inspiring and uplifting personalities so Mm -hmm. that felt like very much a celebration of womanhood um, Mm. for me like I loved it what an incredible experience I mean, Southeast Asia is, I adore Thailand. I've been to Kalak. I got married in Thailand. My husband and I have spent um, a lot of time there. Um, And more recently, moving to North Queensland, we have spent a lot of time in Bali. We just came back from Bali recently and and equally had some really beautiful conversations with some of the women there and spoke about their families and in particular their experience during the pandemic. So those who were working in larger hotels had the opportunity to work uh, on like three-day rotations so that they could still continue their income and be able to support their family. But then a whole bunch of other women that we met um, and men returned to their local villages and spent the time in their local villages. And they were speaking about the community aspect of that and how everyone was just supporting one another because those who returned to their villages had no sustainable income whatsoever during the pandemic. So literally everything closed down and they moved back to their villages and the village was self-sustaining. So they were growing their own food. They were supporting each other. It was a barter system. Um, And those who then were lucky enough to, I guess, be able to continue working and still have a little bit of income, the hotels then were able to support their staff and really look after their people. And I just love that experience of being able to visit other cultures, particularly ones that are not Western, like here in Australia, because you really start to see the essence of human connection. That's the part that I really thrive on and and one of the reasons why I love travel so much. Um, And so I I love that you've shared that experience and, and, and what a gift those two women are. My gosh, like incredible. The work that they're doing in the world and then that you could come in and support that um, from your perspective is just, uh, yes, please do share their links because I think let's put those in the show notes and anyone who's visiting that area and would love to do a Thai cooking class. Yeah, would be amazing. And the beautiful thing is I can keep making those recipes and keep coming back to those memories. Yes. And share those then with your community, your friends, your family. And it's like that lineage then continues, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, amazing. Well, let's explore now your experience of yoga. So how you came to yoga, what that evolution has been like for you. You've been teaching for, you know, more than two decades now. And I don't know if you remember this, but you were one of my first yoga teachers in Melbourne at the, at the, was it the South? It was Southport health club in port melbourne when it was right on the beach and it used to overlook the spirit of tasmania and i'm pretty sure you taught a class upstairs in the studio there i did i did and that was my first teaching gig no way yeah yes so i came to one of your classes there after i'd been really unwell with a parasite that i'd had for quite a couple of years and my doctor had said try some like restorative sort of style of yoga nothing too fast nothing you know try go and try a yoga class and so i had a gym membership there already and so i came along to one of your classes and just fell in love with yoga and then when they closed that down and it moved over to where genesis was in bay street i came over to some classes there and equally loved them just as much and then i think it turned out that you had trained then under sophie bunn who owned body flow um, and then i ended up going across to body flow and working and being mentored with sophie for many many years so you've been around for you know like when you talk about before um uh, when we were talking about the podcast and and you speaking with other melbourne yoga teachers and you know they're now getting older and they've been around for a while like that's you my friend (laughs) (laughs) not that you're getting older but you know we're all getting older right but but you know yoga was very different like 20 years ago yoga was very very different it would have been 20 years ago that i came to your class and amazing i'm so honored that when someone comes to my class as their first experience of yoga and that it's a good experience, like yeah. that's so heartwarming. And yeah. shout out to Sophie because mm. she was probably the first yoga teacher. It wasn't the first yoga class that I went to, but she was one of the first teachers that I really connected with. And then okay. she also was a lecturer in my teacher training that I did. So yeah, yeah very yeah. formative presence in my own yoga journey. Mm. Amazing. Amazing. So tell us about, tell us about how you came to yoga. What was your intro to yoga and, and then your decision to go on and do a teacher training and become a teacher and create a a life from that? Well, interestingly enough, um, when I was a little kid, um, I did go to creative dance at Mangala Studios and that didn't suit me. That was something my mum thought I'd like when I think I was like maybe like four or something like that. And I ended up going to painting class instead with Richard Lidicott and he teaches Sumie painting, which is very Zen inspired inkbrush mm. painting. And he's a yoga teacher as well. So even though I was learning painting and calligraphy from him and I still go to his classes, wow. I think he always imbued the meditation aspect with the creative process. Mm-hmm. I always wanted to be an artist and I ended up studying visual art at RMIT and I'm not sure if it was my own angst or maybe just the teaching style was quite confrontational and Mm -hmm. my memory is there was this idea that the art world is hard so we're not going to be soft with you like you're Mm going to have to toughen up and in some ways it took something that had always just been like a source of joy in my life to a bit more struggle and a bit more of that, oh, your pain informs your art and you have to like Mm. dig deep and pull out this work. And I think that, I don't know what drew me to yoga, but it really helped me make peace with myself and get out of my own way as part of the creative process and get into my body again if I was really wound up in my head and getting frustrated with myself or a lot of my art at that time was about body image and about media and also about technology infiltrating the body. Mm. And I think that yoga gave me this way to not focus on the negative aspects of that, which I think is important to still shine a light on because I think Mm. media does shape body image in a lot of negative ways. For sure. But I kind of feel like I can now work with people to 
cultivate self-acceptance, to learn to love ourselves and again, to like be on our own team so that we have all of this extra energy freed up to actually do stuff in the world versus tied up in internal turmoil because we're being taught that we're not okay and that we need Mm. to fix ourselves and we need to change ourselves. Mm. And I think that growth is always possible and part of being human, but being able to approach that in a way that feels positive and feels grounded and feels like something that we can cultivate within ourselves versus something we have to buy, something we have to consume, Mm. something that is outside of ourselves that we're told that we need Mm. feels really powerful and really meaningful for me. And it feels like something that I can do to create a small bit of positive change within the world and within people's lives and also within myself. Mm -hmm. Is that, was that the catalyst then for wanting to go and study a a teacher training and then actually share this experience? So what I thought was that yoga would be a fulfilling day job because it's not realistic to be a full-time artist from when you finish your course and Mm. Maybe even 20 years on, it's still not possible for most people to make their income from their art. So mm-hmm. I was working at an organic fruit and veg shop at a market at the time, and mm-hmm. that was quite intense physical work, but it was only on a weekend. I worked mm-hmm. like 13 hour shifts over a weekend. So mm-hmm. I did my yoga teacher training through the week and I just mm-hmm. thought that I would have, you know, teach a few classes a week and Mm. that would be like a sustaining income and I'd spend most of my time doing my art. Mm -hmm. But through that process, I kind of realized that I would be a much happier and more grounded person if actually Mm. yoga was more of my focus and art was something that I could do without an expectation of it being a source of income. Mm. Like Mm -hmm. something for me and something that I could share if I want to, but So much of being an artist is not making art. So much of it is writing grant proposals and exhibition sure. proposals. And like back in those days, <laughs> pre-social media, mm. like you would have a website, but I think now it would be even more time spent on your online presence yeah. to be a commercially viable artist. Yeah. And I I appreciate wanting to do something just for the love of it and not having it feel like it has to be this full-time sustainable income, which then can take the joy out of it because there is this drive that it has to make money and it has to make a certain viable amount of money as well. Um, And that, you know, sometimes I know for my, for me personally, it can take that creativity spark away and it, it kind of does feel then like a bit of a chore or a bit of a, a bit of a job and you lose a bit of that love for the actual create creative process per se. Yeah. And pressure. like continual pressure Mm. yeah yeah in the nervous system that pressure is like it's just it's like holds your breath right it's like you're holding your breath waiting for the next like paycheck or the next opportunity to come to come forth yeah yeah it's a grind yeah yeah absolutely how has your yoga teaching evolved since you first since you first, because you've done so many phenomenal trainings and and areas of study from, you know, everything from um, aerial yoga, which is something that you really kind of focus in on now, which is really beautiful, but you've done, you know, community training, you've done trauma-informed training, you've done myofascial release, yin, restorative, um, soma chi. There's so many lineages and areas of yoga that you're drawing from. How has your journey as a teacher evolved and, and all of these, you know, I guess, threads weaving together? Luckily, the training course that I did, um, it doesn't operate anymore. Mm. It was at the CAE with the Australian Institute of Yoga Therapy, and they had a really diverse group of teachers from different lineages teaching, and I was Mm. always drawn to that. I'm kind of someone who chafes against being told what to do. Mm-hmm. So I don't think the traditional lineage system of taking on something because it is tradition and not mm. necessarily questioning it is going to be a right fit for me. 
Mm-hmm. So right from the beginning, I got to hear this diversity of different opinions and different schools of thought. And I think even within the human body, alignment rules never work for every single mm. person. Everyone's brains are really different mm. and I'm more and more drawn to trainings that honor that. So accessible mm-hmm. yoga, yoga training is really great for that. Um, mm-hmm. I did my trauma-informed and community training with Yoga for Humankind and my mm-hmm. Swan and Joe Buick. And that's mm-hmm. also on that foundation of we're all coming to the mat with our own like backpack is an analogy mm-hmm. that works for me. All mm-hmm. of our past experiences are going to shape our experiences on the mat. Mm-hmm. So I definitely have learned more and more to share this practice in a way that people can hopefully get what they need from it and to try Mm -hmm. and not be prescriptive. Like I teach with a lot of different options Mm -hmm. and bringing in the aerial yoga hammock, I feel like it gives us even more tools to work Mm -hmm. with individual nervous systems. And a lot of the movements that I do are super supportive. Mm -hmm. So they're just lying in the hammock and Mm -hmm. Within that, there's a lot of scope to move in different ways. Like mm. my my warm-up sequence, you start lying in the hammock and you could do a, like a gentle side-to-side movement. You could flow into something that feels a bit bigger and a bit mm. stretchier or you can add a longer hold on either side and then suddenly you're working against the fabric for resistance so it feels mm. like more of a strength-building movement. Mm. And that's really what I'm super excited about at the moment to use the external fabric to help cultivate interoception because Mm -hmm. especially for people who have a trauma history, Mm. whether they have a diagnosis or not, often if you're very hyper-focused on your external environment and for some Mm. people that is how they've stayed safe in the world, Mm. it's a lot more challenging to tune into your inner world and sometimes it doesn't feel safe to go deep into your inner world. And I think this also applies to people who have body image issues or even someone who has chronic pain in their body. Sometimes Mm. feeling into your body is not relaxing and can actually be quite activating and quite intense, but you still want to be able to feel into the present moment. Mm. And the hammock's like this bridge because you can be present with the movement and you can feel the fabric. And often it is a way to be present, to Mm. feel within yourself, but not just in your own body. Mm. Like normally in trauma-informed practice, it's like, we've got the floor. You can feel into your body or you can feel into the floor or you can listen to sounds, but the hammock Mm. just gives you so many more sensory possibilities Mm. and also the opportunity to work with the vestibular system in different Mm. ways and Mm -hmm to work with balance in different ways as well, because you can really challenge balance because the hammock moves Mm. and the floor is stable, Mm -hmm. or you can be holding on to the fabric for standing poses and really get a lot of help with balance. Mm. So I'm super excited about exploring this world more and more because I feel like sometimes yoga on the mat is amazing, but sometimes Mm. it's not helpful for everyone's bodies and everyone's mind. It's not always accessible. Mm. So it's like now I've got this most versatile prop ever Mm. that is Mm. also fun and playful and gives you the the opportunity to experience pleasure in your body and movement Mm. that feels good. So Mm. that's, yeah, I guess that's my main focus at the moment, but I still teach yin classes and I still love Mm. that. And I also Mm. teach Pilates as well. Mm. And I teach a nurturing yoga and Pilates class at my studio where I bring in different props like the foam roller like Mm -hmm. I do a lot of self-massage stuff and I really love working with balance and stability as well Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. I still Mm -hmm. do mat stuff as well as hammock stuff yeah yeah like you say it's giving people an option to experience yoga and to have yoga meet them wherever they're at, which really is that essence of yoga therapy and therapeutic approach, um, a trauma-informed approach, accessibility. It's all it's all speaking to the same context and framework of, of allowing yoga to meet the individual where they're at and offer them something um, that suits their individual needs. So with, with that said, I know in my own work, I have seen the yoga industry and the yoga and yoga classes and yoga kind of in general, particularly in the West evolve, in my opinion, 
away from away from this kind of approach it's actually moved in the opposite direction and whilst there are so many beautiful teachers like yourself who are kind of maintaining this essence of making it accessible you know the mainstream is definitely moving more away from that so when people arrive in your classes what are you seeing from people who have come from this very western physical map-based you know asana approach to yoga and then they arrive in one of your classes and they start to work with you what's that evolution look like I think I'm kind of lucky because the fabric is so versatile. There are mm. still opportunities for physical challenge. Mm. So if strong work in your body is what helps you get to that mm. state of mind, there are mm-hmm. still opportunities for that. And sometimes we get people and I can just tell that we're not the right fit for them. Sure. Like yeah. They'll just, you know, we're not their vibe. But I think um, hopefully it's my goal with how I share on social media and how I share on our website that people get a pretty good sense of what we're all about. So the people Mm -hmm. who do come to our studio are hopefully not disappointed by what we offer. Hopefully we do kind of give enough of that opportunity for a feel into your body and experience that chance to get stronger or to stretch out tight spots because I do respect the fact that a lot of people maybe at a desk all day or have quite Mm. a sedentary job and still have a lot of like stress and tension Mm. in their minds and sometimes like moving that through your body is what you need. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes showing up to yin when all of that energy is held in you, it's just too much of a change of pace. And Mm. it just means you're going to continue. All of those thoughts are just going to go round and round in your head. So I do appreciate that sometimes an active physical experience is what will help get you to that yoga state. And maybe you need a little bit more physical intensity to get there Mm -hmm. on certain days. So, yes, I can respect that that is what some people need from their practice, but, you know, there'll be an option for that. Like sometimes I will give a stronger physical option, but the pace is going to go at the level that hopefully will be okay with everyone there. And that also includes the person that maybe just needs to like lie in floating Shavasana and rest in a cocoon for the hour. Like there's space for that as well. Yeah. And I love that. And that takes a level of skill as a teacher to be able to hold space for a variety of students coming into our class to practice. Um, And and I think that's where, you know, the work that you do is is so beneficial and so powerful because you can meet almost every individual in that class where they're at and meet, you know, some form of their need, but they are actually still having the benefit of being in community and in, in group space with people. Yeah, I think that's super powerful as well to have the ability to be in your own space but also to have that community connection and that group mm. energy of practicing alongside other people and to have that mm. shared energy, even if everyone's doing a variation of their own thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I want to dive deeper into the benefits for women in this type of practice because, um, you know, we, we obviously move through different seasons and cycles and stages of our lives where our body requires something a little bit different. And also, you know, my body would require something different to your body, does something different to another woman's body, even if we're in the same season, right, of our lives. How is something like aerial yoga in the way that you teach it, you know, of immense benefit to women, particularly women moving, you know, transitioning through different stages of their life in through fertility, as an example, women who are menstruating, women who are moving into into perimenopause and menopause? I think the opportunity to support and offer that chance to down-regulate your nervous system, which Mm. the fabric can give us some extra tools to work with, like even working with the vestibular system. For most people, gentle forward and back swinging is a soothing movement. Mm. And if you actually need vestibular stimulation, like spinning movements upside down and random Mm. movements tend to be more stimulating and the hammock Mm. offers that as well. Mm -hmm. I think the chance to be in your own space and your own cocoon, Mm. a lot of women and anyone who has a caring role 
or a caring job who is mm. giving out energy mm. all day, sometimes that can be challenging to switch off. So if mm. you're in a room full of other people, there might still be part of your nervous system that is checking in with those other people and just being aware of those other people. And definitely um, if there's a neurodiversity layer to all of this as mm. well, um, a lot of people have autism who come to my classes and they mm. find the cocoon of the hammock really helps their own sense of regulation because they mm. don't have that visual distraction of other people in the room. So I think that element of you are literally in your own space, you're in your own yeah. hammock, that can be very helpful. Mm. There's also something that the fabric that can, this is something I'm still exploring. Mm -hmm. I feel like there's a lot of scope to work with pelvic floor because mm. we can be in positions that are supported like there's one shape in particular where you're sitting in the fabric, your feet are on the floor. It's like a supported squat. You can choose mm -hmm. how high or how low you go. Mm -hmm. And you literally feel the fabric beneath your own pelvic floor muscles. Mm. You can move in lots of different directions. And as you probably are well mm. aware, there's a lot of focus on toning the pelvic floor and mm. strengthening the pelvic floor. Mm. But the symptoms for an overactive pelvic floor and an underactive pelvic floor are very similar. Mm, so mm -hmm. there's not as much scope to encourage us to relax our pelvic mm. floor muscles. And of course, mm -hmm. a muscle that can't relax also cannot be its strongest either. It's mm -hmm. like held in this kind of locked tense phase mm -hmm. and that can be responsive to our stress levels and our emotions as well and our ability to feel safe. Mm. So just being in that shape where you have a little bit more sensory feedback of what's happening beneath your pelvic floor, you can mm. move in lots of different ways. Hopefully some of those muscles that are working all day to keep us mm. stable, to keep us upright, and have maybe got into that pattern of clenching and gripping mm. and overworking, we can start to unwind some of that and start to have a little bit more feedback, a little bit more communication and a chance to allow those muscles to relax as well mm. as being in that on mode mm. all day. Um, mm. I am not a pelvic floor specialist. Mm -hmm. I've done a bit of training in this area. So if someone was working with prolapse or mm. something a bit more serious like that, I would definitely mm. be working in conjunction with a pelvic health physio, mm -hmm. or hopefully they are seeing their pelvic health physio as mm. well as coming to me. Mm -hmm. But there are a lot of supported inversion shapes where mm. gravity can be helping those muscles just gently mm. sink back and those organs just gently sink back. And also mm. the ability to bring some gentle movement into those supported shapes mm. in a way that's not possible if you're working on a bolster or a block. Mm. Um, a lot of my clients have had some really good results with that type of movement and support as well. So I think there's a lot of scope to work in that area. And I yeah. think everyone, like um, people who identify as women, trans mm. women, non-binary mm. women, mm. we are bombarded with messages about how our bodies should look. Mm. And that doesn't change through our whole lifespan. And I'm not saying it doesn't affect men as well, but I think mm. it definitely is more targeted as mm. anyone who identifies as female. Mm. So having this space where it's not about how your body looks, it's about feeling good in your body, mm. exploring what types of movement feel good in your body today, mm. nurturing yourself. Mm. I think that's so important. And I don't think it's necessarily like, yes, some people definitely need like professional mental health support. But we all need opportunities to feel good about ourselves and just to feel into what our bodies need. And I feel mm. like this is a practice that can make that a little bit of an easier conversation with ourselves because, mm. again, we've got this external tool and this external sensation or like just a new sensory experience to explore. So sometimes mm. we can circumvent mm. some of the brain messages that are so deeply programmed in in a way that being, say, in a yoga studio with mirrors and being surrounded mm. by other people, mm. sometimes it's not such an easy path. So, yeah, yeah, I feel like the hammock just gives us some more tools to 
like work with ourselves. Yeah, it's phenomenal. I using the silk as that tool, that prop support to really tune into the pelvic floor in particular. A lot of the work that I would do with women uh, is is around the relaxation of the pelvic floor and yoga just offers such a potent tool there's so many practices in yoga as you know that offer that connection with the breath and the pelvic floor and that natural um you know contraction and softening just with the breath in and of itself so being able to refine our connection just with the breath and the natural ebb and flow of the pelvic floor and then to complement that with something like the aerial silk where women can then actually they've got a visceral experience of it and it's almost like that safety net of it's okay to actually completely relax and let go because you've got this beautiful support there like you say that is harder perhaps to appreciate viscerally when you're using something like a bolster um sometimes i'll use like a squishy like pilates ball almost and have women sit onto that because it actually then kind of frames and sits up in the in the pelvis um better than a bolster Um, yeah and that responds to you a bit more it does yeah it responds to the breath you can kind of then really start to feel that breath connection with the ball so i think yeah this exploration that you're doing using the silks in the context of of pelvic floor therapy in a way is is you know in conjunction with a like a women's health physio is just wonderful i'm excited to see how that evolves for you because i'm not aware of any you know, specific um, work being done in that field. Is there anyone that you're aware of doing work with the silks around pelvic floor? There is actually. And I learned mm-hmm. about this in my um, training with Renee Stevens. Mm-hmm. She okay. did aerial yoga therapeutics training. And so yep. she, that was part of the training. Okay, and also um, Audrey, um, she's from Performance Pilates in um, Perth. I mm-hmm. think. And mm-hmm. so um, they're both working with women's health and pelvic floor and right. the aerial hammock. Yeah. Amazing. Well, I'll get those details from you and we'll link to those in the, yeah, in the show notes as well. I want to talk about, because you mentioned neurodi- neurodiversity and I know accessibility, equality, um, you know, is really important to you in your work. And I think it's really important, you know, in the context of yoga and, and life, particularly when we look at our at our modern you know, state of affairs um, at the moment. Why is that such an important aspect of your work as a teacher? I honestly actually just think it's what my brain is interested in. Like mm-hmm. most of my friends are neurodivergent and mm-hmm. I'm just really interested in learning about how different brains process things in different Mm. ways and how people experience the world in different Mm. ways. And Mm. I feel like sensory processing especially Mm. is something that I'm really interested in, how like Mm. colour and light and sound and different sensations can have a really different emotional response Mm. for different people. And it's definitely something that is a lot more uh, available online now mm. than it ever used to be. A lot of people are sharing about their individual experiences and mm. sometimes the DSM model of diagnosing certain ways of perceiving the world as a problem mm. versus just how your brain is wired mm. does not help people. Like mm. it does not help people with their own experience, it basically pathologizes how someone's brain might be wired and sees it as a defect or something to be fixed versus just a different way of experiencing the world. So I think Mm. that's what draws me to it just because I'm really interested in learning about how different people experience the world and make Mm. sense of it. And um, it's probably more something that I I'm continuing to learn about rather than something Mm -hmm. that I consider myself an expert on. And it's actually Mm -hmm. um, something that I'm really going into with my book that I'm writing. So I'm definitely getting different perspectives of how people who might have different identities or different diagnoses experience aerial yoga in the Mm -hmm. hammock, because for teachers, all of these people are going to come into your class. So Mm -hmm. it really helps to have a bit of a sense of how you could use language, you mm. could use um, 
you know, visual demonstrations or mm. even how you can set up the sensory environment of the room. Like mm. this is not something that I can do for every person, mm. but I, it was also in the, um, aerial yoga therapeutics training, like an OT who works mainly with kids. Mm -hmm. She has a whole range of different colored hammocks that you can yeah. choose from based on your mood. And actually, yep. um, Cyril Calais, who is an OT in Switzerland, who works mm -hmm. with people with traumatic brain injury, they mm -hmm. have the same option. So you can choose yeah. this like sunshine yellow hammock if you need that. You can mm. choose a like soothing green blue hammock if you need mm. that. And I have a rainbow hammock and like it really does make me feel good being yes. in my rainbow hammock. And if you're a member at our studio, there's generally like a selection of colours that you can choose from. And I feel like yes. there's something about like expressing yourself through colour that just adds mm. this another layer to the practice. So yes. yeah, I feel like it's really cool to be able to learn these ways or it's not just like, oh, this is a problem and this is something that's going to make your life harder in all of these mm. situations versus, oh, how can we work with this to actually make life better and to actually make yeah. this experience more enjoyable? And I think yoga offers that accessibility just in and of itself. The teachings of yoga is about being able to observe our human experience, right? So I see this a lot with children. I have two children under the age of 10 and I see a lot of the systems that we place children into like the school system and, um, you know, different activities where they're asked to be and behave in a certain way and conform and fit within a framework that has perhaps not evolved at the same rate that humans have evolved, like our evolution, our consciousness, the way we see and experience the world, the volume of information coming at us that we've already spoken about, the overstimulated nervous systems, the quality of our food produce, all of these things that impact how we experience the world, the systems such as the education system hasn't quite caught up to tailor and be able to meet the needs like a yoga practice can we can't meet the needs of individual children, right? And so, like you say, they're labeled as, you know, um, as not normal in some way, or that they have some kind of like issue or that it's a problem for the world. Um, and I think there's a lot of parents who are really struggling with, you know, I think that's why we've seen the, the rise of homeschool really, uh, rise in the last you know few years particularly since COVID because a lot of obviously parents were were thrown into homeschooling their children during the pandemic through lockdowns and so forth but then seeing the shift in their children where they're in an environment that's most supportive to their needs and how they're able to thrive and yoga is no different and that's what I'm hearing as you're speaking is that people can come into your classes or any class where it's through this understanding that people will have their own unique human experience, that they will receive the teachings in their own particular way, that they'll take what's, you know, what's resonant for them and leave the rest, that it offers that accessibility. Um, and I think that is, is just so important um, for us to be able to look and take really the teachings of yoga and apply it to so many different um, systems and uh, ways of being in the world that are outside of the yoga studio. And I think that's why there's so many different styles of yoga as well. Mm. Yes. So they're really like you can choose the practice and the approach that works for you. Yes. And even within that, different practices to upregulate, to downregulate, whether you do need yeah. more physical intensity, whether you do need more rest, like there's yeah. a whole world within yes, that to choose from there is and I think there's an education part for me when I look to the yoga industry about letting people know that they have those options right yeah. because I think sometimes particularly when we look at modern yoga it's a business it's a billion dollar industry people want their students to come to their classes and their studio and their studio alone and I think it's 
it's wonderful when you meet yoga teachers who are like, maybe you need something like this for a little bit. So here's a great studio or a teacher that I want to connect you with. And then, you know, you know that I'm here when you need these aspects of, you know, deep rest or therapy. Um, I think, you know, we get into dangerous territory, which I see a lot in the yoga space is, um, is really allowing our students to become codependent on us and and not able to actually tune into their body to know you know today i know i normally go to this class on a monday but i'm really feeling like one maybe i need just a rest and stay home or two maybe i actually feel like i need a bit more of a movement practice there's another studio that has a great you know a faster paced class i think i'm going to go go to that today and really kind of diversify their own uh practice would you agree with that or yeah and it thoughts? totally takes the pressure off like you don't have to mm. be all things to all people like yeah. you yeah. can i'd rather be part of a community that supports each other mm. versus telling people that my way is the only way mm. and mm. even within my class sometimes that can be a little bit of a challenge because sometimes people are literally tell me what to do tell me what's the best option for me you know best it's like, no, no, you definitely know best what's better for your body. And mm. we might have some opportunities to feel into different options and then mm. you can decide from there. And mm. I also appreciate when people come in and are literally like, I've been making decisions all day, like just yes. guide me through. So mm. I think that there is that balance of that as well. Like you can't be too, if there's not a structure, or there's mm. just so many opportunities, like so many options that it gets really confusing. Sometimes mm. that's also not what people need. But I uh, yes, I yeah. definitely would rather be be a part of a community. I don't feel like if someone going to another yoga teacher is a personal failure. And sometimes yes. people are a little bit bashful about that. It's like, no, no, For no, sure. you go to different classes. Like, yeah, I'm just one person. I can only teach so many classes. If you mm. want to go to an early morning class, you're going to have to do that with a different teacher yeah. because I'm not a morning person. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I I am very similar in that sense. I do not and have not for so many years taught um taught yet yeah, morning classes at all. But I don't teach I don't teach any public general classes either. So I, I often get asked about, you know, where can I practice with you? And I'm like, you you can't. I run teacher trainings and I work one-on-one -on -one with people in a yoga therapy context. Um, if you want general yoga classes, like talk to me about what you're looking for. And I, I can recommend you to a whole bunch of different people, um, if that's what you desire, but I don't teach general classes because it's just not where my energy is being called at this, at this moment in time. So I think being really generous with our recommendations and having, uh, a, you know, a whole kind of resource list of people we can refer people to, I think is, is part of also being a really great yoga teacher. And yeah. that's nice for your teacher trainees as well, because you're yeah. creating this network of support after they've finished their training, because you're sending yeah. other people to them. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I want to talk about your book that you mentioned. So it's called Eight Limbs of Aerial Yoga, Adapting Practice for Accessibility, Neurodiversity and Physical Support. And it's going to be published in 2026 through Singing Dragon. What was the call for you to, to write a book and why this topic? Actually, I um, it was from doing a particular teacher training and I felt like there was some gaps mm. and it kind of made me realize that I have something that I can share that I'm not seeing in the mm. world right now. Mm. I also feel like a lot of the ways that aerial yoga is represented online and in the media has is very different to how mm. I teach. And there are a lot of people who buy an aerial hammock from the internet Mm -hmm. don't know what to do with it. There's mm -hmm. a lot of YouTube videos, but a lot of those moves I don't think are safe to practice mm. at home on your own if you don't know what you're doing. Like it mm -hmm. can be, you can get tangled up really easily. You can literally mm -hmm. fall out and land on your head. Like that yeah. is a possibility if you get confused and aren't securely mm -hmm. in where you're meant to be in. Mm -hmm. So it's for those people. A lot of aerial yoga training courses for teachers are just about the hammock. 
So mm. just about the moves that you can do in the hammock. There's not a lot of integration of yoga philosophy and there's mm. also not a lot of, like there might be options, mm. but the whole idea of accessible yoga is it's not like, oh, that's what you're aiming for. And then if you can't do that, you can do this. Mm. And then if you can't do that, well, you could do this other option. Mm. It's not hierarchical. It's mm. what's going to be the best for me at this moment and how do I figure out what that might be. Mm -hmm. And I think that structuring your classes in a way where there's, say, a downward facing dog type pose, mm. there's like five different ways that you could use the hammock to get the benefits of that pose. Mm -hmm. And if it's organized in your mind that way, mm. it's really easy to offer different options for that particular movement or sensation or whatever benefit you're aiming to get from that physical mm. shape. Mm. So sometimes it's just about thinking things in a different way and mm. being able to use language in a way that's not hierarchical, it's more inclusive. Um, so that's something that I really wanted to share for teachers if that mm. was not a part of their training. And the other aspect of aerial yoga that stands out for me is how fragmented it is. Yeah. So when I did my initial teacher training, it was the first one in Australia mm -hmm. and I'd gone to one aerial yoga class in San Francisco and just totally loved it and really wanted to be able to do it and teach it. And mm -hmm. just coincidentally, when I got home, uh, anti-gravity who I did my initial training with was doing a teacher training at the Gold Coast at the Olympics Village. So mm -hmm. I went and did that for a week and then I came home and there weren't other teachers that mm. I could continue to learn from and practice from mm -hmm. in person. And I think there are a lot of teachers like that where you go somewhere else to do your training, yeah. you bring it home to your town and then you're the aerial yoga teacher in that yeah. town. So mm -hmm. I wanted to be able to connect uh, wisdom from mm. different people all over the world who are using the hammock in different ways. So mm -hmm. at least you have some jumping off points mm. where you can kind of learn how they're, what, what they're doing and then mm. maybe kind of connect with them online. And a lot of more people are doing online trainings mm. now, mm -hmm. but to connect mm. is a challenge. So I actually made a Facebook group called Making Aerial Yoga More Accessible with that mm. goal in mind to give people mm -hmm. that chance to like ask questions yeah and to learn because sometimes someone might come into your class and have an adverse experience and if you mm. don't have your own mentor to kind of check in with and yeah. talk through and be like oh this is what I did I don't know if that was the right way to handle that like mm. that would be ideal but mm. if not at least you can kind of put that question out there to the internet in a, in yeah. a safe safe space where mm. you know at least we can have this opportunity to like learn from each other and support each other so that was mm. the goal with that and I also want to do this big shout out to Donna Noble who wrote mm. Body Positive Yoga mm -hmm. and she's been a past podcast guest and mm. reading her book really made me think oh like I think I could do this like mm. I really love how she wrote I love how she shared her own experience I love mm. how she brought in people from other fields that connected into her work and mm -hmm. she has also been she and Jivita Heyman have been like mm -hmm. super supportive from my mm -hmm. own writing and helping me connect with the publisher and mm -hmm. like I have had um like a great cheer squad mm -hmm. to make me feel like oh yeah this is something that I could do I could write a book Oh, it sounds incredible, Joe. I can't wait for it. So 2026, we have to wait a few years for it to come yeah. out. But well, I gave myself a really long writing timeline. I gave myself 18 months. So I finished mm -hmm. it at the end of 2025. And okay. then, oh no, I finished it at the end of 2024. And mm -hmm. then the publisher has editing and yeah, 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 yeah. All the process. And marketing and all of yeah. that. And yeah. the other group who I really wanted to be able to um, support with this because I do not see them represented online mm -hmm. is people in larger bodies. And yes. so Donna Noble's book is great for that, but also mm -hmm. like aerial yoga is super adaptable for different mm -hmm. bodies. And that's normally not part of a teacher training. Mm -hmm. So I really wanted to share all of the things that I've learned from working with people with different bodies and different mm -hmm. needs. And some of the tips are really simple. Sometimes yep. it's about just changing the hammock height or just bringing mm. in a bit more padding. Like it's not mm -hmm. necessarily like 
if you know, it's so easy and it can just yes. like smooth that person's experience in the class so yeah. much more so and like help them feel like they're mm. in supportive, safe hands mm. versus they've come in and people just do not know what to do. So they yes. either have to just be really uncomfortable in that pose mm. or mm-hmm. probably not come back. That's right. They have that adverse experience and then they don't come back. And like you say, they don't have that, you know, perhaps teacher to connect in with or mentor to really be like, you know, this didn't feel great for me. Is there a way that we can adapt or, or modify that? And I think when we, we, when people attend really large classes in studios where there's like 40 or 50 people, there really isn't that connection with the teacher that you can get when it's a smaller, more intimate group and the teacher is actually having an individual conversation with every student and checking in with where they're at and how they're feeling on that day and is there a way that they can they'll feel most supported through the practice and that the teacher even has an opportunity to be able to get around to most people to check in how's that feeling how's the practice going for you Uh, we've kind of lost that a little bit as well well, I'm lucky that I don't teach any classes like that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Most of my classes are at my home studio space, which is yeah. much smaller. So yeah, I mm-hmm. don't have to deal with that particular challenge of mm. creating, a, like holding space for that many people. For that many people. Yeah, absolutely. And there's so many, there's so many things happening for people that we can't even see. So when I think about people stepping into classes, I think we can assume, particularly with, you know, the the state of the world in the last three, four years, that, you know, most people are coming in with some level of trauma, right? They're coming in, but but it's not something we can see. It's not something we can see. It's something that's experienced um, from the inside out, really. Uh, you know, mental health conditions, um, or like so many of the women that I work with who may have suffered from multiple miscarriages are on IVF fertility journeys. You can't see that. Um, you can't see that experience, women suffering from debilitating endometriosis. Again, you can't see that at face value. So to have those tools to be able to work with people in neurodiversity is, is another one. You can't see it necessarily, um, but to be able to teach in a way that is accessible and meets the individual needs of people um, and allows teachers to have the tools to ask the right questions and to notice subtle things happening in someone's body or the way that they're moving in space or the way that their breath is moving and be able to offer um, supportive adjustments or uh, alternate ways of practicing, I think become even more and more and more and more important. Um, And I think you're right to see more of that come into teacher training specifically, I think will be something that will really start to shift the industry as a whole in the direction that kind of I hold the vision um, for going forward. Yeah, absolutely. And I think in some ways it takes the pressure off. You don't have to be the teacher that knows what's right for everyone. You can just give options and give people space to do what they need to do Mm. on that day. And I think you are right on with the like everything going on in the world today is going to, it's going to shape our experience when we Mm. show up on our mats and one class in particular I remember I went to and um, this is kind of a long story because it was when Ran had um, his stomach cancer diagnosis Mm. and it was actually at a time when we thought it was a terminal diagnosis Mm. and we went to a yoga class and it was all about bliss and about Mm. breathing in bliss and about being in bliss and I'm sure if I was feeling fine, it would be a lovely class, but it was Mm. such a jarring experience. And Mm. I mean, this is not about age, but it was quite a young teacher and she didn't Mm. give any kind of um, space for you to have your own experience if that wasn't this. And Mm. that was such a learning experience for me to be like, oh, you can't have this prescriptive, like Mm. even if it's something positive, like finding bliss, if someone is having an internal experience that's so far away from that, it's going to be the complete opposite effect. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, that was a learning experience for me that Mm. like now I never give, I don't know, I try not to shape people's experience. I try and just like create space where they can have their own experience and to like feel into what's going to support them on that day and Mm. kind of acknowledge if, 
like at the moment, there's a lot going on in the world and it's mm. very horrific and very heartbreaking. And we, yeah. whether we have a direct connection to it or we've mm. just seen it on the news, it affects all of us. So mm. mm -hmm. whatever you need from that practice on that day, hopefully mm. I can provide space for that. Or if that is leaving the class and sitting in the garden for a bit or mm -hmm. taking time just to relax and be still, then... Mm. Yeah, I think that it is something that is just um, based on that experience that I had, something I really try and provide for others, just like space to have your own experience and get what you need out of the class. Yeah, I think that's so important as well. What have you got coming up as we wrap up today's amazing conversation? Talk to us about what else you have and then where people can connect with you. Yeah, so we're in Northcote in Nam in Melbourne. So mm -hmm. we've got our classes every week, aerial yoga classes and nurturing yoga and Pilates classes and mm -hmm. Ryan does gentle yoga classes. Uh, people mm -hmm. can join us on Zoom if they'd like to, mm -hmm. uh, not for aerial yoga, but for the other yeah. classes. Mm -hmm. um, we also have an online library. We're up to about 240 videos now. Amazing. I need to get to 250. So mm -hmm. um, we also offer library membership and mm -hmm. um, people can connect with us that way. Um, mm -hmm. I have been doing a seasonal aerial yin workshop mm, every beautiful. season. And that's also been a way for me to learn more about Chinese medicine and meridian mm. theory because like my yin practice my yin teacher training was very much about um, myofascial release and self-massage. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I really wanted to like go deeper into other aspects of that tradition. And mm. the best way for me to learn something is to share it. So yeah. it kind of gives me that um, impetus and also mm -hmm. that chance to like integrate that information a little bit better by sharing it. So I've got one of those mm -hmm. workshops coming up every season. Um, they can tune in to the Flow Artist podcast and... Yeah. We'll talk there. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. We'll pop that. We'll pop all that info in the show notes and website. What's the best website to oh, get you at? Oh yeah. Gardenofyoga.com.au and I'm Garden mm -hmm. of Yoga on Instagram and Facebook as well. Mm -hmm. Amazing. And you mentioned that you would have a discount code for anyone who wanted to come and listen uh to the yeah. online practices yeah, so yes we'll pop that pop that in the show notes as well yeah that would be awesome yeah we'd yeah. love to welcome your audience and hopefully yeah. um people will get a chance to experience some of the things that we've been talking about in person Absolutely. or online yes love that. so nice to have that embodied you know, if they're curious about what this kind of accessible therapeutic approach through your lens is, it's so nice to have that embodied experience of actually experiencing one of your classes. So yeah, that's, thank you so much for that. That discount code's amazing. Very grateful. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for being open to it. And thank you so much for having me on your podcast and also um, sharing your experiences of coming to my classes. Like you don't really, um, especially teaching at gyms, lots of people mm. come and go. So mm -hmm. it's like super amazing where you're like, oh, wow, like what you kind of learnt with me yeah, stayed with you and yes. you got benefits from it. And yep. mm -hmm. like, that's what you do and you share. Like that's amazing. Yeah. It's like full circle. How wild. <laughs> amazing. Well, thank you so much, Joe. I appreciate it. And we'll speak soon. My pleasure. Thank you so much for everything that you do and everything that you share. Like it seems like you are making such a powerful, positive difference in people's lives with your work and with your podcast. You. So I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Holistic Woman podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and have some space, please leave me a five-star review. Every review or rating supports these conversations, reaching the ears and hearts of more women. To connect, you can find me at Kate Payne Yoga on Instagram or higherstatesofyoga.com.